Today on Power Tips Unscripted, we talk to Natalie Putnam, Chief Commercial Officer for Verse Logistics. Natalie is here to shed some light on the number one problem facing remodelers today, the labor shortage. Find out how the strategies Natalie uses to recruit drivers can be applied to your own business's recruiting efforts in just a minute. I'm going to do this the old-fashioned way, with two swords and maximum effort. Okay, guys. Let's get out there and make a difference. Hi, this is Victoria Downing, and welcome to Power Tips Unscripted, where we talk about tips, tactics, and techniques to help you build a strong, profitable remodeling company. And here with me is my co-host, Mark Harari. Hey, uh, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Good. And I'm really excited about today's episode. You know, there are so many remodelers who are being hamstrung away from their potential because of the lack of skilled labor. It's just tough out there. Everybody's crying about it. Mm-hmm. Screaming. Screaming right. into the streets. Yeah. They have no one to work. Yeah, they look and they've got all this backlog, which is a wonderful, wonderful thing. But again, you know, unless they can get somebody to actually produce the darn stuff, um, you know, that profit just sits there waiting. Yeah, it's been a challenge for everybody I talk to, and I can't wait to hear what Natalie's doing to help fix that. Yeah, you know, she's really got a lot of very cool experience in all sorts of of management and growth and all that. So let's dive in, shall we? Natalie Putnam, Chief Commercial Officer at Verse Logistics, is a 35-year business veteran and is an industry expert in supply chain, logistics, and trucking. With Verst growing at over 24% a year, Natalie regularly recruits employees and drivers for warehousing, fulfillment, and truck driving jobs in northern Kentucky, an area dominated by Amazon, FedEx, and DHL. Welcome, Natalie. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. God, that must be one heck of a job to compete against those powerhouse companies for the limited labor that's available. It's, um, it is not a simple task. And to add to it, we, we do fulfillment here at Verst, which is direct to consumer. Um, during peak season, our employment goes from about 100 people to as many as 400, but only for a few weeks. Oh, my gosh. So it is uh, daunting to hire that many people and attempt to do it um, on really what's the temporary basis. You know, sometimes um, I'll hear from remodelers that when I bring in or talk to experts that are outside of our industry, and they'll say, how does this apply? But don't you think that the tactics that you use are very applicable to our business owners as well? Yeah, it doesn't matter, uh, Victoria, what industry you're in. These problems are across all of the industries, in particular in the trades. We, as you know, have um, a lot of truck drivers here, which is certainly skilled labor. And we are running into a historic crisis in trying to find and hire capable, qualified truck drivers. So if you're a remodeler, if you're a um, trucking company, uh, if you run a grocery warehouse, it, it, everybody has the same problem. When the labor um, situation is with where we're at, which is such a low unemployment rate, um, you can expect that to hit all levels and all jobs and industries. 
Natalie, so the, my biggest question, and it's the place that everybody seems to go, they, they kind of feel like, well, the only way I can get the best labor out there is to just start increasing what I'm paying. So is that mm-hmm. one of the solutions here to just try to be the biggest paying employer in the area? Certainly the wages play a role and a significant role in any recruiting effort. But I would tell you it's certainly not the only um, lever that you have. If you look in the area where we compete, I can walk outside my building and see a sign that says FedEx will hire you today for $18.50 an hour. We don't pay $18.50 an hour. Yet we are finding um, capable folks to work for us um, with some difficulty, but we're managing to fill the role. And that's because we're using a lot of alternative approaches to the recruiting. And there's, there's a few things to think about. First of all, who are you targeting? And why are you targeting that market? Much like a marketing effort of your own business, when you're recruiting, you're marketing your business to potential people that might work with you. And to do that, you have to understand what target market you're going after. So are you looking for a target market that historically worked, but perhaps isn't the best place to go after new employees for today's um, environment? Are you thinking about the education levels? Have you given some leeway? Maybe in the past, you were able to require that somebody had 10, 15 years experience. You probably aren't able to require that anymore. Do you have a, um, a way to train people once they come on board? Um, do you have some flexibility in the hours they can work? Are you allowing them to do things in their job that perhaps other companies don't allow? So if you look at just the wages, yeah, if, you, if everybody went to where the highest wages were, my warehouse and my trucks would be empty. That is not the case. People are looking for something beyond just the wage, and we know that. Of course, there's benefits and there's vacations and other things, but people are really looking for a feeling of being involved in something greater than themselves and producing a work product that they can be proud of. So you're not going to get away with paying minimum wage, perhaps, but you certainly don't have to pay the highest wages if your company is all about doing some things right. So if you're looking at your company from the outside, you were talking for about making them feel connected and like they're part of something bigger, ties into culture, right? The overall culture of the organization. But there are also other sort of bigger picture things like the training you talked about, like the uh, possibility of advancement, like um, the potential to be recognized or be able to be involved outside the company in the industry, things like that. What do you think are some of the most important elements of all of that soft stuff? I think those are huge. And I'll use my own um, career as an example. I, as you know, worked for a company called Yellow Freight System for 25 years. In the 25 years I worked with that company, I did not look for another job. I did not actively seek to find other employment. Um, I was a loyal, faithful employee for 25 years. You ask yourself, why is that? Well, it's because I was satisfied, I was well-treated, I was promoted, I was trained, I felt included. I was a a female in a mostly male industry and male company, and yet I felt very included, and those people became my friends and extended family. I never would have considered leaving. So why did I eventually leave? because eventually the company became financially unstable and it forced me to make a very difficult decision. But I can tell you this, I was never the best paid. I gave up a lot to 
to work at that company because as they were struggling over the years, there were um, little to no bonuses. There were even pay cuts. And yeah, I could have left and could have went someplace else, but I felt a sense of belonging. Those were my friends and I really didn't want to give that up. So that doesn't tell you how to recruit. It tells you how to retain, Mm -hmm. but to recruit, you need to also be retaining. You think of it as a bucket. You've got folks coming out the bottom of this thing and it's leaking. Filling the top isn't really going to help. You're going to have to create a culture where people like going to work every day. And I can't emphasize that enough. If the environment you have created in your organization is not a fun place to work, that becomes part of the problem. It doesn't mean that you have to have, um, you know, a bunch of comedians or that work (laughs) is not work, but it does mean that it's a pleasant environment. People are respected. There are some social things about it. Um, They are able to balance their needs personally with the work um, that is required. If somebody needs time off, if somebody needs to run, pick up a child from daycare, take the dog to the vet, whatever those things are, the more flexible you can be, the more likely your employees are to stay there. And frankly, the best word of mouth you can possibly get are from the people that are already working for you. So let's back up to some more of the recruiting tactics. Okay, so once you were talking about who are you recruiting and are you allowing yourself to be flexible around the requirements that were standard historically, what are some other tactics that people can take besides targeting, being flexible? What are some ways they can reach people and attract them to their company? I I do want to just uh, touch on this uh, um, targeting one more time, and then I'll cover some other items. The targeting piece, and trucking is an interesting um, example of this. As you, I'm sure, know, women make up about 50% of the population. And yet in the trucking industry, they made up about 6% of the drivers. Mm. And you have to ask yourself, why is that? So as the trucking industry found themselves in a crisis of historic proportions with a chronic shortage of drivers that we don't see ending, We've expanded and we now recruit women, capable, um, easily trained, and frankly, we're finding that they are safer as drivers than the men. Really? Because they're taking less. Yeah. So when you're thinking about who am I going to hire, I would challenge you to think beyond the traditional people that have been in your organization and really reach out to populations that perhaps you hadn't considered were capable of doing that work. Um, with that said, yeah, there's a lot of other places and ways to uh, to expand the recruiting. We use, uh, we're very big on using word of mouth. And the reason for that is that we have about 100 drivers here in northern Kentucky and Cincinnati. And those drivers are out in the, um, in the work world every day delivering products to hundreds of freight docks and companies. So we've given all of them wallet cards. And the wallet cards... Um, show what our phone number is and it basically says do you want to drive for first and every driver has these in their wallet in their right. truck and they hand it out they hand it out to our competitors drivers if you don't like where you're working come work for us because we've got we've got the things you want we've got you know you're going to be home every day here okay it's competitive we don't say it's the highest mm-hmm. but that's one way to do it so if you've got folks that are on a job site Give your employees cards to hand out to the others. I know it might annoy your, your, your fellow contractors might not appreciate that, so you do have to watch it, but it, it does work. Um, job fairs, of course, we, we participate in all the major job fairs. We have uh, connected with colleges who are training future truck drivers. 
we have advocated for the state and the, go the federal government to reduce the requirements for CDL. We've had this age problem where you can't get a, a commercial driver's license until you're a certain age, and that age is well above 18. But these people graduate from high school at 18. Uh, so what, what happens is before we get a chance to make them a truck driver, um, your industry's turned them into an electrician or a plumber. <laughs> so those are, you know, so we're advocating with the government. We're doing the job fairs. We're getting our employees to go out and, and invite people into our organization. And then, of course, we do the regular things, the website um, paid advertising. Um, we're doing some print media paid advertising. Mm -hmm. It's a it's an all-out effort. And then one last thing we're doing um, that may be the most important thing of all. We have brought in, just in the last three months, 40 robots. And I'm not kidding. So we have leased robots from a company called Locust, and these robots are replacing our employees within the warehouse filling orders. Oh, wow. wow. This is the future. It is, it is here. I'm... I'm I, I was as cynical as anybody else, but I have seen it in, in action and it works. And this is rapidly taking over our industry because of this chronic shortage of employees. So when you read about these things, don't think that they're years in the future. They're right now. These robots um, that we're leasing are running us um, about $3,000 a month, and they're able to replace a full-time equivalent that would make more than that. And by the way, they can work 24-7, they don't have sick days, and they don't require any health care, right? Um, it, it's, really interesting. it's a really interesting concept. So um, I challenge your thinking on that front as well. And if we're, they're going to work in a warehouse, you can count on them eventually being uh, created to apply in your industry. All right, I got a couple of questions for you. Tell us a little bit about some of the tactics your folks, your company has used to attract women to the fold. How do you target those people specifically? I think that's a great question, Victoria, because I would tell you honestly and candidly, we're probably not that good at that. Um, I've come here and I am the only female in the leadership team. And as I look around the population at Verse Logistics, it is certainly not, um, not a lot of women here. I have two uh, women in my group, but overall in the organization, not so much. But if you want to recruit women, and we certainly do here, I think one of the first things you need to do is, is to um, make sure your core values line up with an environment in which women would want to work. Mm -hmm. And those core values need to be not something that's on the wall, but something that's lived every day by every employee. If the environment's welcoming, inclusive, respectful, those are the, those are the reasons why women are going to want to work for you and with you. Mm -hmm. Okay, here's another question. You've had some fabulous experiences as a leader in a variety of large corporations. Do you have any advice for these small business owners that don't necessarily have the resources to train people to be the carpenters? They, you know what it's like in a small business. You and I have talked about this for years. When we bring somebody in, they got to be pretty much up ready to run in most cases. Yeah. Um, the only thing I can think of for this, and maybe maybe your um, members are already doing this, but certainly partnering with high schools, mm -hmm. those shop classes, those could be your next generation of skilled labor if you have um, if you found a way to work with that shop teacher and 
and create a training curriculum that happens to apply to your industry or your specific work. Short of that, bringing in unskilled labor and having them partner with somebody is another good way to do that. Being able to test for aptitude. Mm -hmm. Who are the people and what are the skills that typically lend itself to being trained in the industry? And I know a little about your industry because, as you know, my husband um, ran a cabinetry business for a while. And certainly those math skills are important. Mm -hmm. um, being able to use uh, AutoCAD or other drafting tools is important. So whatever those skill sets are, I would, I would definitely reach out to the high schools. The community colleges might be interesting as well. And then using a mentor program once you hire somebody. If they're not the skill set you need, make sure you hire the aptitude and then put them with a mentor. Okay. Okay, here's another thought. When you came into Verst, you know, you were charged with growth, and I'm sure you've been hiring people and been very involved in the hiring. What are some of the things that you have done to create this culture of inclusiveness and growth and excitement and family? What I did here specifically um, was to make sure people were respected. If I had one word, I'd say that would be the word respected. Um, when I got here, there had been some issues uh, amongst employees where people felt like they didn't get a fair shake. So that was the number one thing was to ensure people felt like they were heard and that they weren't, um, there wasn't already a story being put to whatever their efforts had been. And then the second word is accountability. We had some gaps in accountability where people were not held accountable and that became apparent. And when you don't hold people accountable, it creates a cascading effect in which others in the organization that are picking up the slack feel put upon, become uh, very um, uh, upset about that and really not, um, not giving it their best because they're feeling like they're being taken advantage of while somebody else is not accountable for the work they should be doing. So be very careful. Um, here we found that some folks didn't fit in any longer and they've left. And then we found that other people in the organization stepped up and with just a few moves, uh, we changed fairly dramatically the culture of the company because it doesn't take a lot of bad apples to really ruin things for your entire organization. So if you haven't already acted and you know you've got a bad apple, you might not fully appreciate how much damage that individual is doing mm -hmm. well beyond their own job. Mm -hmm. And the way you find out, of course, is once they leave, everybody will come up and tell you what a problem that person was, but mm -hmm. they're probably not telling you today. Right. That's exactly what we did, and that's exactly what we found. So I want to go back to the respected word. Now, I know that you are really strong at building teams that feel very loyal to you and just perform above the average. So you talked about making them feel heard. How did you literally do that? Um, I, there's a variety of ways, but if you don't already have a, a culture in which you hold a few meetings, and I know in, in the trades, a lot of times people are out and working in a job environment. So maybe the idea of holding a meeting is a little bit foreign, but a meeting in which all employees are included is critical. People come together and hear a single message. It isn't word of mouth or, you know, tell your direct reports this and cascade the message down. We get everybody in the room or we get everybody on the phone and the same message is heard by all. That starts to clear up some of the confusion. And then the other piece of it is one-on-one. -on -one. Have time to sit down with somebody and have that conversation, be it 30 minutes or an hour. I do that every week. Uh, with all of my direct reports, we have time together 
to talk about what's on their mind. People call me at home at night. I'm happy to listen um, without judgment. And that's a critical, critical piece. If you can't listen without applying your judgment and opening your mouth and, and starting to shut them down, you're going to have problems. How, how do you mean? What, what do you mean by not having judgment? If you really want to have people feel included and respected, you have to walk a mile in their shoes. Meaning, I don't care what the problem is that you come in to talk to me about. I'm going to listen to you with an open mind that there is a facet of what you're telling me that I am certain is true and I know you believe. It might not be the perception of others, but it's your perception and your perception is your reality. So who am I to judge? Mm-hmm. People are multifaceted. If you think of a, a diamond or a, a, a gemstone, looking at it one way gives a different brilliance versus looking at it from another angle. Mm-hmm. And people don't understand that about themselves or others. People are very complex. So when people are coming and they're talking about a problem and you might think, you know, that's Joe and he's lazy and listen, he's complaining again. You probably haven't fully embraced what Joe's life is like or how he's interacting with his coworkers or why he's bringing this up. And all I would urge is that you keep that open mind. You really reserve the judgment. Don't put your story to it. Hold off, talk to others, collect facts. The reason I was successful here was because I refused to take sides. Mm -hmm. I came into an organization that was siloed and somewhat at war with each other and I refused to pick a side and that did a lot because people started to lay down their weapons and have a conversation. And it took a long time. I've been here two years. But eventually people started to work together again as a team because they knew they were being heard. Mm-hmm. That has to make your recruiting and retention efforts so much more effective. Absolutely. Uh, I love to say people quit quitting. So <laughs> stay here, right? Quit quitting. I don't want you to leave. Um, And you said, you know, people love working on my team. I'd say it a different way. I love working with these people. And it's a privilege that I have to be able to work with the people that have chosen to be in this organization and report to me. And that's a choice they made. Mm -hmm. So I'm always grateful for the people that said, yeah, I'll work with you. Um, I see it that way versus they're lucky. I think I am. That's a great way to look at things. I like that. Yeah, that's very good. Last question, Natalie. Um, Are you ready for the lightning round? (laughs) Well, we'll see. (laughs) And now, here's the Remodeler's Advantage lightning round. It's a trap. Here we go. Let's put 60 seconds on the clock. All right. What's your favorite business book and why? I've just finished this one, and some would say it's not a business book, but Factfulness by Hans Rosling, which is all the things we get wrong about the world today. If you weren't the chief commercial officer for Verse Logistics, what do you think you'd be doing? I might be a painter. I love to paint. I get in the zone. I really, um, I can kind of zone out when I'm painting a wall, and I love cutting in between the ceiling and the wall. Oh, so painting, painting, not painting, painting. (laughs) Oh, yeah, painting a wall. That's absolutely what I mean, painting a wall. I thought you meant like portraits or something. (laughs) What are you not very good at? Finance. I'm more the creative, so the numbers thing doesn't come as easily, but, uh, but I try. Your room, your desk, or your car, which do you clean first? Well, the room always comes first because company might show up. 
What's the last thing you watched on TV? Oh no, Gunsmoke. How many? We watch Gunsmoke every night at my house. <laughs> How many basketballs would fit in your office? To the ceiling? Yeah. Oh, probably eleven hundred. I have no idea. <laughs> what do you think of garden gnomes? Of what? <laughs> Garden. garden gnomes? Is that Gar- what you said? Yeah, garden gnomes. I think they're really tacky. <laughs> Good. All I'm right. Not a big fan of garden gnomes. Yeah, me either. You know, or those geese that you dress up with different outfits. That's sort of weird too. Okay. But you well, know, flamingos. I like the flamingos. Yes, those are kind of fun. All right. So thank you so much for doing this. I love hearing your perspective. As as our listeners know and our members know, I really always try to bring in just people from the outside industry to give us a different angle on the information. Now, before we let you go, though, I want you to share your five words of wisdom with our listening audience. Live by mission, men, me. Okay. So tell me. me. Tell me about that. Why does that resonate with you? It's a term that's used in the military, but what it says in essence is the mission, what you're trying to accomplish, absolutely has to come first. Because if you don't put the mission first and the mission fails, everything else fails. But close behind that is the men. And in this case, those are the employees, both men and women. They have to come second because if they don't come second and you don't take care of them, you'll never accomplish the mission. Mm -hmm. And you, you have to come last. And you know that as a leader, but sometimes we forget. Because if you don't come last and you put yourself first, it's much harder to accomplish anything. Yeah, that's awesome. Great. Thank you so much, Natalie. I very much appreciate your time and your insights. And I'm sure that our listeners are going to love it and put it to work in their own companies. So thank you very much. Well, Mark and Victoria, thank you. I really enjoyed it. All right. Have Thanks, a good- Natalie. Bye-bye. Bye now. I thought that was really interesting, especially her comments about showing respect and not judging people and keeping an open mind. Uh, You know, that's something that I know personally I forget all too often. Yeah, absolutely. You know, because, well, the same exact reason that you need to keep an open mind for them is because we all do the same thing. We just see it through our own our own lens and the world is the way it is to us Mm -hmm. and to realize that there's other perspectives and positions and viewpoints out there Mm -hmm. and you may not agree with it but at least be open to hearing it right and not critical of it is probably a key key component to a happy happy family and you know again that is just one of the most important elements in the whole idea of recruiting people in and keeping people and if we as small business owners can't retain the people that we bring in it's just this ongoing elevator of you know revolving door of yeah, work. The, the analogy of the you know the hole in the bottom of the bucket you can yeah. keep pouring water in the top you're mm-hmm. not really getting anywhere is mm-hmm. is is solid but mm-hmm. also it, it does go to recruiting anyway because you know if if you have that culture if you have that company that people want to be a part of. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I know no one out there listening is like at, at Google, but, you know, out there early on, I mean, it was, that's just, everybody wanted to work there. Right. It wasn't because there's thousands of tech companies out mm-hmm. there, thousands of companies, but they wanted to work there because yeah. of the culture, because of what they had built and the environment and the lifestyle. 
And you probably can't get to that level, but you can be that Google of your area. Right. And I've heard of a couple of our members that, you know, people actually want to work for him because mm -hmm. they know out there that he's the company to be. You know, what a fantastic competitive advantage. If word would get out about the cool culture that a company has, Absolutely. why would anybody pick the other guy when they can pick you and work with all these fun people in this cool environment? And then that's going to actually continue to flow through. It's going to flow through the community. It's going to get you leads for sales and all that stuff because people, you know, it's just, it's your culture needs to get out there. You need to, first you need to have it, a mm -hmm. good one that mm -hmm. people want to be a part of. And then from there, only good things can come from it because you're going to get the recruiting bump, you're going to get the leads, you're going to get the notoriety in the community. I think that's probably the number one key thing you should take away from this episode. Right, right. Very cool. It was so, cool. Well, we want to thank you for listening to the... We want to thank you for being here. What do we want to thank you for? <laughs> um, we want to say thanks for listening this week, and let's hand it off to Naomi. All right. Thank you all. My name is Mark Harari. And I'm Victoria Downing. We'll see, see you See you next week. <laughs> what a train wreck. I know. I really want to do that over. Over. <laughs> it's fine. All right. This has been another episode of Power Tips Unscripted, the remodeler's guide to business. Visit www.remodelersadvantage.com to learn more about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program. There you can also find information about our business consulting services, upcoming live events, and much more. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. It's a beautiful day.